Welcome to Dorks on Sports, a podcast about four dorks talking about sports. My name is Daniel. Joining me today is uh, Curtis Eastwood, who just binged the entire season of Only Murders in the Building this week, so we can talk about it at the end of the episode today. How are you doing, Curtis? I am doing great. Uh, I, I, you I am sound still like on a, the uh, really Mediterranean kind of diet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I veered off a couple days ago, uh, doing a little bowling, had some nachos and some hot wings, uh, but I'm back on it and uh, I'm feeling uh, lubricated. Good. We're glad, we're glad you're feeling lubricated. We also have uh, Alana over here. How are you doing, Alana? Doing well. How are you, Daniel? Yeah, you know, I'm here. Uh, <laughs> it's been a rough week for... Uh, uh, Seattle sports, but uh, otherwise, I'm very true. Enough. Very true. Yeah, that's what we're here to talk about. And then about. we got that's Millie, and hopefully, together. that's yeah. And and the other dorks listening to us. <laughs> we have Millie, and hopefully, it wasn't a hard sports week for you. How's your fantasy team going over there? Um, you know, I'm very invested in this one loss, one team. win, one loss, and the other team doesn't exist anymore. So, you know, it was a split. Okay. I'm still on top in my dynasty league. So that now has all of my focus, hopes, and dreams. What's and, what's the record so far? Oh, wait, how many games have we played? Six. Six. Um, I think I'm five and one. Oh, you're doing good. Yeah. yeah. You're probably I might, one I might be four and two. I should double check. That, but, but I'm on top. And that's yeah. the most important thing. Congratulations. <laughs> so the yeah. Seahawks are not. And let's get into that. So going into this, uh, this game against Pittsburgh, uh, the big storyline was Geno Smith taking over for Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson missing his first start in 10 years, his entire career. Um, the Seahawks looking to get back on track, have no identity on defense. Uh, offense can be hit and miss. They come into Pittsburgh. They play a gritty game. Um, Gino plays enough to take it to overtime. Unfortunately, uh, he loses that fumble um, at the end, and then the the Steelers take it. Um, the defense uh, looked scrappy at times, uh, mm. but otherwise, it, like the rotting corpse of Ben Roethlisberger was able to throw on him, and that was really hard to watch. Um, but Millie, as our resident uh, positive uh expert here what were the good things that came out of this game i think the good things really were on the defense i felt like i saw a major improvement i was happy to see jamal adams involved in ways that worked Mm -hmm. um not on every play i do uh of course read 12th life by our own curtis eastwood And he reminds me of all the things I've already forgotten about that didn't go well, but um, your press coming onto the podcast, very happy with how the defense played. They were making things happen. There was good coverage. There was, uh, there was that crazy fumble, at least one interception, right? Am I recalling? No. There was a, a potential interception that bounced off the face mask of uh, number 33. All right. See, I just like to remember it better than it was. But we did get a takeaway with that crazy fumble with with Ben being, oh, no, I was totally throwing it. Oh, yes, yes. That was awesome. Yeah. 
that was the best challenge ever. Like, no, dude, not even. I love Pete Carroll's face in that, which was just like, what? What are we doing here? Yeah. Exactly. Like, oh, oh god. Yeah, those refs, they were doing everything they could to give that game to Pittsburgh. I'm sorry. It was they were giving us a, a vintage Seattle Pittsburgh yeah. game. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Matt Hasselbeck should have been inducted into the Seahawks Ring of Honor at that game. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have right to say in front of those terrible towels. <laughs> those terrible towels. Uh I really liked the play of uh, Trey Brown. Yes. I, I, and I want to see more of him. I think yes. he absolutely deserves an opportunity to start uh, yes. this next week. Um, I thought he played phenomenal. That stop that he had uh, that, that was unreal. I mean, mm-hmm. he was like out muscled and outweighed, and somehow he just like dug in and he turned that guy over. It was I mean, like impressive. Right. He, was, he came in like a linebacker and finished that dude. There was another. There was another play where he closed off a route that was mm-hmm. like yeah. veteran instincts. I I I rarely see that in a rookie corner cornerback. Um, uh, I thought he looked really good, and I want to see a lot more of him. Uh, that that's the exact kind of cornerback play uh, Seattle needs. Fortunately, that's not the only thing uh, that they need to fix on the defense. Uh, Alana, we got the good from Millie. Tell it what was the bad from this game. You know, the bad was the first half in a lot of ways. It's just like nothing doing. Uh, we were trying to run the ball a little bit, and then we were trying to treat Gino as if he were Russ and, yeah. uh, and you know, go for the big play action pass in when we hadn't really established it and put him in a situation where he had to escape to make a play. Uh, and that just, that's not who Gino is. Um, Gino is, as we saw in the second half, someone who with a strong run game can throw it 20 yards down the field to a tight end and should throw it 20 yards down the field to tight ends. I yeah, want those to tight see ends were all over the place. They, and, but they weren't like, they don't, they didn't do much. Unfortunately, there was that 41 yard catch from Everett. And then there was the touchdown from Disley right after Disney, that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, just more of that, please. Like yeah. run the ball, throw to the tight ends. I get that DK is a fast tight end effectively in terms of how he's built. He's a big sure. target. He's as easy to hit. He did all right. He had that stupid play at the end of the game. Um, get out of bounds, dude. But uh, really I do not, I fundamentally do not understand why we are not seeing five to 10 targets between the tight ends per game. At, at times it feels like there are two a piece at most. And so like, let's take advantage of that. Let's take advantage of those players um, and, and how good they are. I am not, I continue to not be dismayed by this team. Fun to watch. Um, these games are fun. Uh, I like seeing the new contributors contributing and, if we're talking about the bad, Daryl Taylor, that whole situation, the 10 minute break in the middle of the game, oh, seeing God. what happened was, was really hard. Yeah. I'm so glad that all news coming out of it is that he's fine. Yeah. Like, Even yeah. Pete Carroll says he has a chance to play on Monday. That's right. Pete Carroll's optimism. I, he's not going to play on Sunday, mm-hmm. but um, the fact that we can even talk about him playing on Sunday right. is 
a big deal. Exactly. Um, he, I mean, he was able to leave with the team on the plane. Uh, right. I, I, that's just all of that. I was, I w- it was, it was really hard to watch. That's the kind of thing it, it, about football that, um, that I wrestle with as a fan is, is, you know, the, the danger in injuries like that and seeing that, you know, especially when it takes like, I don't know, how long was he on the field? It felt like 15 minutes. It was um, about I mean, 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. They came back from the commercial break, like three times that third yeah. time he was still in the field. I, I was thinking like, this is horrible news. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, man, he, uh, I'm, I'm really happy and really escaped with that one. Um, so Good for him. Uh, Curtis, I think that segues into the ugly. That was that was an ugly part of that game. Well, mm-hmm. What else did you see that was ugly? Oh, ugly. Uh, well, it's funny. I'm listening to Alana talk about her obsession with tight ends, and my obsession is uh, defensive tackles. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know, I hate watching my defense getting – run right up the gut it's the most violating thing for me as a sports fan of my favorite team that i just i just feel like the weakness there's so much weakness on that defense there's weakness at defensive coordinator there's weakness at scheme uh and that's an exhausted issue but i just feel like you know i wish they were more stout up front i you know i i was watching you know, the Steeler uh, front four uh, just wreck Seattle at yeah. times. I mean, Cameron Hayward just came crashing in from inside and, and it was just, and, and you know, TJ Watt was just, you know, an animal. And yeah. uh, I don't even, I mean, there was, yeah, I mean, I, you know, Gino coughing that ball up at the end. He probably should have been running with better ball security. But, you know, at the same time, I mean, Watt's an incredible that was a huge play by TJ. Mm-hmm. Arms and came in there and punched it out. But I just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just jealous when I see other teams with, you know, that are strong at the line of scrimmage and strong at the line of scrimmage on defense. That's what you know. I mean, I everybody talks about the LOB and they talk about Sherman and they talk about Cam and Earl, and I get that. But man, it was like Red Bryant. It was Brandon Meebane. It yeah. was. You know, it was all those guys up front rotating in and Carol has just gotten away from it. Um, so, yeah, it was it was it was it was great to see better improvement with the defense. And it was great to see, you know, Jamal at least playing at the line of scrimmage. But the truth be known, I just you know, I mean, that was against geriatric Big Ben, you know, who can't throw downfield yeah. anymore. Right. I mean, he wasn't throwing downfield. He was just taking every single little quick dump off he could. And people were still completing passes and gaining yards and they were just trickling. I was like death by a thousand paper cuts, you know? And so I just, you know, I, I just, to me, I got enjoyment watching um, Gino looking competent for the most part, a couple bad looking throws here and there when he was scrambling to avoid pressure, but you know, some nice looking throws. It was fun to watch. Uh, Alex Collins mm. that, and Travis Homer run really strong too. Sure. And it was, and, yeah. you know, but, and DJ Dallas having some, uh, some, you know, fun, fun, big plays. Yeah. It's, the return game was great. 
the Jersey game was great. was going to win it in the end, you know? I really, yeah, I, they, they, I thought it was going to be a classic. Well, this is just going to be gritty, you know, Pete Carroll, Seattle Seahawks, you know, when we think they're out, they come back and they scrap and claw. And it's, and it's a testament, I think, to Pete and the way he cultivates that culture and gets those guys believing. I mean, that's clearly his strength as a coach. And, you know, if- We just need to fire Ken Norton. Yeah, yeah. I I do wanna say too, though, that (laughs) for all my positivity and Mm -hmm. all of the great things I said last week about Gino and um, people seem to have just sort of forgiven the end of the game. And I'm, that's the thing I'm actually still stuck on because Mm -hmm. You got to protect the ball. We're in overtime. I don't know what was, ha- what, I mean, he just lost it on that play and then he lost it on that play. Yeah. And I was very disappointed in how this game ended, but that I felt like everyone was like, well, lose. he tried. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 that's, that's no. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what I liked. Uh, I like seeing uh, an injured Russell Wilson, uh, you know, in his coin toss. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was super involved in that game, running up to to Swain and telling him to spike the ball because the clock is running down. I like that. Even you know, even as corny as it is, uh, I like seeing him go through his uh, game day prep still on the field, uh, talking to his imaginary uh, huddle and going through, uh, you know, all his mental warmups. I love that. You know, the dude is dialed in and I think he clearly loves that team. Um, that was like, is he trying to stand up the new quarterback by going out there for the coin toss? And he was like, <laughs> I was like, no, it's because he's a fucking weirdo. Who's just <laughs> because like, he's a weirdo. Yeah, yeah. He's just there. <laughs> I just, I love him. I, I love how weird he is. Yeah. Um, moving on, you know, putting that in the past and then uh, moving on to the next game. Uh, so we we're, we're back home. Uh, Jameis Winston and the Saints are coming to town. Um, you know, Winston is um, a, a very hot and cold quarterback, but this is the kind of defense that can make him look good, and I'm a little bit scared. Um, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm not quite sure what to think about our offense going up against this team, but I have a feeling uh, Winston is maybe going to have a big game um, because we're going to give him like those soft looks in the zone where, uh, you know, it's easy completions for 18 yards. Um, and he's got a big arm. Um, I don't feel good about this game. Millie, give me some hope. I, I am so torn. I almost wanted to ask you to let me go last because I don't know what I want here. <laughs> Because I am such a believer in the magic of the Seahawks in primetime. Mm-hmm. And then we dropped two primetime games in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, granted, but it's Russell. And so that's part of that primetime magic. But it's Monday night. It's at home. Like We have such a, a, a great track record. I'm just, I'm so torn. Is it Russell? Is, is Russell the magic? Or is it, you know, prime time at home with the 12s that is the magic? Like, what do I really believe in my heart of hearts? And I, oh, I want to believe the Seahawks can win this one. 
but I listen to what everyone's saying and, and I'm not sure. And I, and so what I do when that happens is I go to the, to the odds makers, to be honest with you, to see where they're landing and who's taking the spread and who's not and what that looks like. That's usually where I go. And this one is all over the map because <laughs> both teams have these weird trends, which are other things I look at to help me make a decision when I can't make a decision. And, you know, the, the Seahawks pretty much have always, even when they've lost, they covered the spread. So there's that, but then there, and the average number of points that they're scoring is more than what the saints have been giving up. So all these little indicators that help one choose just aren't there, but I feel like a dick picking against him on a Monday night. Yeah. At <laughs> so home. I am super torn. Um, I'm going to pull a Dan here and say that my, my head says the saints win. My heart says the Seahawks win. Yeah. By uh, what's the score by how much? Oh, come on, man. Um, I think it is a four point game. All right. It's that. I'm not going to elaborate on that. Just a four point game. I'll come up with a number when I write down <laughs> everything and I'll, I'll tell you what it ends up being. All right. In this episode? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or are we waiting for next episode? I'm just going to flip a coin uh, gotcha. over to the side while you yeah. all tell me what your uh, projections are this week for the board. Alana, where's, where's, the, where's, the, where's the wind blowing in this game? You know, I think the main thing for me is that I look at this calendar, I, I look at the schedule, and I look at how we've done in each game. And we're not playing schmoes. Um, I mean... Tennessee just beat Buffalo in a wonderful game last night. Yeah. Like that was fantastic. Minnesota's yeah. playing well. San Francisco. Derrick Henry like, is playing out of his mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the Rams are five and one, and uh, the Steelers, like they've got some fight in them. The Colts have some fight in them. So, you know, in every game we've been in it, and every, I mean, in most games we've led at various parts of the game, uh, and so if not all, but the Steelers game unless i can't remember if we led that game so i think it's going to be another weird game at the seahawks i think on the ringer they say the seahawks never play a normal game they and don't when, they always play the weirdest game of the week right right and like last night or sunday night that was true of that game especially yeah. with the way that the fourth quarter ended so i think it's going to be a weird game i think that uh their turnover fairy is going to come and and snuggle in with Jameis Winston and make a home in his heart. Uh, and I think we're going to see a couple of interceptions. Um, I think that we might also see uh, a fumble. I am going to just believe that Daryl Taylor is going to play and play out of his mind. I'm just, I'm choosing to believe that. I love um, and we'll cause us, we'll strip sack uh, uh, Jameis Winston. And I think as a result, it's going to be not that close. And the magic of the of the twelves will um, carry us over the the Saints uh, and shock a lot of people. I think it's going to be thirty one to seventeen. Curtis, what do you have to say about that? This game's not going to be close. The New Orleans Saints are better at the line of scrimmage on offense and defense 
than not only the Seattle Seahawks, they're better at the line of scrimmage on offense and defense than the Pittsburgh Steelers. They got a significantly better quarterback in Jameis Winston than Ben Roethlisberger. Shocking to the ears of many, but this is true at this stage in their careers. Uh, they got a quarterback that can throw a deep ball as good as anybody in the league. And I know he's thrown a lot of interceptions in the past. This year, his efficiency numbers have been pretty strong. Um, they've also got a superior uh, running game and running back with Kamara. Um, I just, I think, I think this is going to be an ugly game for Seattle. I think, uh, I think Jameis is going to throw a lot of, uh, is going to throw for a lot of yards on this team. And once these chunk plays start happening, then Kamara's game takes over. And I just see uh, like a 35, 17 sort of score. Wow. Oh, so the, the opposite way. Yeah. The saints. Yeah. Saints, yeah. You're going for the saints. saints. Yeah. I think, I, I think it's going to be a big game for Jameis. And I think that um, we've got an injured Alex Collins uh, Penny's coming back. Do we all feel confident about that? I don't think so. Um, I think, I think, I think, I think, uh, I think the saints are going to take shots downfield that Seattle's not going to be able to uh, stack up against. Well, this is what I think. Anybody can win in the NFL. Urban Meyer and the Jaguars just got their first win. 20 consecutive losses. They broke their streak. Uh, I believe the Seahawks can get back on track too. Uh, we, we, it's at home. It's in prime time. Uh, the 12s are going to be fired up. I think this, this team does not have a quit in it. You know, if there was ever a time where this team can stop believing it would be now, but this team hasn't stopped believing and they didn't stop believing, you know, even in the overtime, uh, last week, mm -hmm. I think this team is rallying around each other. Uh, I think they're holding each other accountable. I think the next man up mentality uh, is true, especially for this team. Um, and uh, I think they're going to gut it out. I also think that the Saints are more talented. Uh, you know, Sean Payton is a great coach. Yeah. Um, uh, Jameis Winston is, you know, a, a quarterback who could be really, really scary, uh, especially when he's on point. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be the Seahawks. There's going to be a gut check. Gino's going to have to lead one last field goal down, uh, down the field. Uh, I think it's going to be Seahawks 23, Saints 20, and the 12s are going to lose their minds. I love it. Curtis, but I've, been, I've been wrong before. Curtis, did you say 35-17? 35-17, New Orleans over Seattle. All right. I've listened yeah. to your arguments, and I've considered them. And um, I've picked my numbers, which is 23-19. Ooh, that's an odd one. Right? That's, that's a score you, score you can't get in cribbage. Well, Seattle <laughs> plays weird games. Seattle plays uh, weird games. Seattle plays There's going to be a safety games. in there somewhere. There was a, uh, what do they call it? An origami score. Scorigami. Scorigami, where we got a score that never existed before uh, this uh, past Sunday. 
So why not? Um, I'm going 23-19. Screw it. It's a Monday. Seahawks win. I like it. I like it. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Um, so we have a, another uh, professional team who made its debut. Just uh, we got through one week of games, um, and then they're going to be coming back home. We have uh, the Seattle Kraken. Uh, been really exciting to watch. Like this has been a really fun team. They, they've only won one game, uh, but even in their losses, um, I've been having. Yesterday when they got clobbered six to two, that was that was a hard one to watch. But um, but otherwise, uh, talk about another team that just gritty and comes in with the gut checks and uh um you know they open the season with a brutal five game road uh on the road uh before they even come back home um i mean that's hard for any team and especially an expansion team that's never played with each other i think uh what they've been doing has been really great uh considering they haven't been able to practice that much because they've been traveling um but I oh Curtis, what have you seen? You know, you're new to hockey. I'm new to hockey. I've seen uh, the first game. Uh, you, did are you having fun? Uh, I, I I'm having fun. I'm I'm having fun following it at, at a distance. I, I I've not watched a game beyond the first one, uh, mainly due to all my parental duties and stuff stuff and Boo. i know i know but i've been following and uh you know i they you know i was excited when they got their first win you know and saw that on the internet and uh and, and the then, very next day they went to overtime that was kind of fun yeah they, they had yeah, their first fight yeah. a lot of firsts this yeah. week for the seattle kraken to be expected um but yeah uh, I, I'm excited. Uh, I know, I, you know, there's a lot that has to be cleaned up with this team. Um, and I, I think that can be forgiven um, considering, you know, they haven't played together before. Um, the shooting needs to be better. Uh, they, on defense, they, they give up some dumb plays on miscommunication. Um, I, you know, I think that's okay. Grubauer got his ass kicked as a goalie uh, yesterday, but he was also, uh, before he was pulled, uh, he either had the most minutes on ice or the second most minutes on ice of any goaltender in the uh, NHL up to that point in the season. And that's hard. I, you know, I think he was probably gassed. And, uh, and it was good that the Kraken um, started somebody else today, uh, get a good look at, but also give Grubauer some uh, time off. Yeah, I thought they were going to split time between the two goalies. Well, yeah, and I think that was the plan. And then maybe they scrapped it because the Kraken did come out so competitive. uh, And Haskell thought like, well, this might be a good chance to steal some wins. Grubauer in those first two games was just so impressive. He was very impressive. Give him all that time. I mean, that overtime game, that was sick. I, I don't know enough about hockey yet. But I know enough to see that the goalie was just magic. He was under siege <laughs> and he was stopping everything. Uh, I, I thought I thought he played out of his mind, uh, especially um, the during the win and then that game in overtime. I thought he was spectacular. Um, yeah, but I'm having fun. I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, to the home game. Um, see how the fans respond. See how the team responds to the fans. And, uh, and see what happens when they actually, you know, have some full-time practices and not these half practices because they're traveling so much. It'll be fun. I think I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing video of the, like, 
opening nonsense that happens a lot what happened too. in Vegas. Like, well, I think that this is a really excited fan base and I think the community around it has been obvious um, yeah. in terms of, even though they're on this long road trip, um, I don't know the, the players. Yeah, they have. I don't know the players yet, but I know the game fairly well. I grew up in a hockey city or a hockey town um, and, you know, went to a lot of minor league hockey, minor league hockey growing up. Uh, and so like, I love watching hockey. I love watching playoff hockey. I hope that we can get there. I look forward to learning this team. I'm still holding out hope that the basketball comes in. Uh, I want the Sonics back, but like, this is, this is actually a pretty reasonable substitute. Um, I think, I, I, I think it's super fun. Um, the, the season is so young and, you know, Alana, you say you're still getting to, know who these players are and everything like that i think that's also true of the coaching staff on this mm-hmm. team um you know even uh today they were experimenting with uh new players uh online see what the chemistry is they just got back one of their best players um uh from an injury and uh and that'll be really exciting uh but yeah i'm looking forward to more more cracking and and hopefully the games we start winning some games as the season goes on and the Golden Knights, uh, they were able to do something in their first season. They will, it's a little bit different uh, with this mm-hmm. team, but uh, it would be really cool if if we can at least be in it. I just checked, and in the Pacific Division, we're we're fourth, and right. the Golden Knights are sixth. Yeah, so- the Golden Knights are are not playing uh, uh, as well as everybody thought they would be playing this season. Right. But again. Season. The Fuck season that, is Vegas. young. This is this is like you know if uh, in the NFL you played one game or two games and you're like one and one or something like that. Like there's a lot that can go on and there's multi, there's trades that can happen in free agent. You know we have no idea what's going to be happening over the next few months. Um, the Pacific is equivalent to the NFL East or NFC East, just for context sake. Like <laughs> yeah, it is true. a shit division. <laughs> which is why like you know the well, analysts were saying we got an expansion team but they can be competitive in this division. right right it's yeah. because all the other teams suck too right so. <laughs> right so that good for us i i would, like i would rather the kraken play in that than the seahawks playing in uh the nfc west right now right um can the seahawks go play in this pacific yeah division? they should <laughs> i want to see that that should be a pay-per-view game I'm not sure if Jamal Adams has the skill set to like intercept the puck, though. That's the thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I want to see Russell Wilson on the ice there with his with his bum. I think it'll be fun. Um, Before we get into, uh, you know, our dorking out about only murders in the building, um, uh, I do just want to touch on a little bit our coach from uh, uh, WSU. getting fired because uh, he refused to get a vaccine. Which like, here's the, here's the thing. It's even like getting beyond the fact that, you know, we're talking about like a coach being surrounded by uh, a, a, a huge staff and these, you know, children and, you know, these college kids and, and, and everything, exposing them all uh, to a potential infection. This is millions of dollars. That you're you're like you're just like flushing down the toilet. You were like the highest paid uh, state employee in Washington State, and you're just giving that all up for a stupid stand. 
Well, and the thing that gets me about this all is he is a non-religious man. He is largely apolitical. He is taking a stance for what reason? Like, and he's using a religious exemption when he doesn't belong to a church. He is like, it's it's mind-blowing to me. Why are you taking this stand? And it, it seems to me like he's trying to curry favor with the people who live in that part of the state by being this like rebel outlaw type of thing. But it, the other thing that it says to me is we really need to re-examine our values as a country because you know some asshole just got fired for not getting vaccinated who was the highest paid public employee at washington state university and this is true in every single state and and it is representative of our values don't get me wrong that is it is true uh across the board that we value sports above we value models of war above everything else um and that needs to change. And I think that this is actually a good time to have that conversation. Like we just excised this bill or this salary from our state ledger. How else can we use that money? Let's have that yeah. conversation. Yeah. Nah. Well, it seems like the only person who was surprised he got fired is him. I mean, it, and it he just, just peace out. It was this weird no, game I of just chicken. Don't understand it. <laughs> this weird game of chicken that was being played that was sort of like no no we're, we're really serious you're going right. to be subject to the same mm -hmm. thing that everyone else in this state is being subject to and you're going to be subject to what people across this country are being subject to when for whatever reason your employer says we're now going to actually mandate this yeah um we are one of the few states that does not allow um, regular testing as an alternative. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I mean, that's the rules. Like, this was the deal and yeah. you knew this was the deal and you made a choice and you and have to go find another job. The, the other thing that's kind of appalling about this is that like at college for students and staff and admin, you have to prove all the other vaccines. Mm -hmm. Why is this different? Why right. is this different? Uh, like, this to get that bad. job, you had to prove all your other vaccines anyway. Uh, it's it, it's I, beyond I dumb to me. It's beyond stupidity. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. This is this is. I I just I I I have. I don't I don't like to venture into political sensitive subjects but fuck it it's unavoidable at this point in time i know it's just like the anti-vax thing i and, and i don't even want to say that the anti-vax thing is this right-wing situation because my wife is from oregon and we have tons of family and friends down there and so i know vicariously through them that there's a lot of lefto hippie anti-government people down there that don't want the freaking vaccine either so i don't even <laughs> want to get into this like it's a bunch of trumpsters <laughs> sort of bullshit it's not it's a bunch of fucking paranoid idiots idiots mm -hmm. that just think that like the government is putting fucking chips in these things and so it's like, you know, fine, you know, you could choose not to get the vaccine and you could choose not to vaccine your kids. And, you know, schools can decide that your kid isn't going to go to this school and, 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 and businesses can decide that, like, no, you're not going to have this job because it's our policy 
for everybody to be vaccinated. And, and then you have to read the consequences of your choice of the state of Washington that made this decision. Right. And so this whole stupid game of chicken, it's just the weirdest freaking hill to die on. I don't care. It's like this weird lib- dollars. It's this yeah. weird liberty porn uh, that comes about every once in a while or a lot. And like it's the same people who are saying I should not have to do this or or this should not be allowed to be mandated mm-hmm. are saying that the person who made the uh, refused to make a cake for the gay people in uh, <laughs> yes. Colorado should be able to shouldn't have be able to should be allowed to discriminate against his uh, against his business. So like it's it's fascinating to me the cognitive dissonance and the twisting and knots that people have to yeah. justify wanting to say fuck you to the government. Like that's that's yeah. all they want. They just want to be like fuck you, don't tell me what to do. That's Which I don't I think it's about just... anything more than that. Yeah, I agree. Well, good. I'm glad we're living in the dumbest timeline. <laughs> And we still have Ken Norton hey, Jr. as like the off defensive coordinator. Damn it. <laughs> if it were the dumbest timeline. Why was Benson Mayo in pass coverage? <laughs> if it were the dumbest I timeline, I just... then only murders in the building wouldn't exist. That's, uh, that's right. And that's right. That's a great segue. And thank you for keeping us on schedule. So we promised you we would talk about uh, Only Murders in the Building. Only Murders in the Building had its season finale. And uh, just for those of you listening who haven't seen maybe the last few episodes of Only Murders in the Building, don't worry, we're not going to spoil it for you. But um, but we all watched it. Uh, and I, I at least I was pleasantly surprised by this TV show. This is one of my favorite TV shows that I've seen this year. Um, I I gave it a chance because it's written by Steve Martin. It stars Steve Martin. Steve Martin, by the way, uh, uh, just for context, is my favorite comedian. Um, He's uh, one of my comic influences as an actor. Uh, I've loved him ever since I was a tiny little child. Um, and, And he's in the past 20 years um, has kind of just sort of flirted with acting. He's kind of been doing his other thing, his music and, and, uh, and things like that. So when he was kind of making a, a return um, to the screen and to writing and stuff like that, I was very excited. Um, Martin Short, another just fantastic comedian of mine. Uh, I, I love the physical comedians. Um, uh, and then a murder mystery, which is also for me, like one of my favorite genres, like the, the sort of, uh, cheesy whodunit, uh, Knives Out, for instance. Um, uh, or Dead Man Don't Wear Plaid, if we're gonna. <laughs> or Dead Man yeah, Don't Wear Plaid. I've uh, um, so I didn't have a ton of expectations. I really wanted to like it. And, uh, I was like really pleasantly surprised when I did, but here's the reason why because this show changes every episode. Like mm-hmm. it kind of be- gets deeper and it becomes a different show. So like the murder mystery itself, where it gets deeper and deeper and, uh, and the story kind of like changes as you find out um, the, how, how deep the rabbit hole goes, the show itself as a genre kind of does that as well. And that's what really fascinated me. I, I think it's a, a brilliantly, written show um and i think steve martin and martin short and um um 
the, Selena the Gomez. Selena Gomez, uh, who is keeping up with the both of them. Steve Martin and Martin Short are are giving clinics, and Selena Gomez is is matching it, and um, I just love it. Uh, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts, Alana. Um, I you know I really want to touch base on the varying genre that this has. I think that in every episode, we have the backbone of this murder mystery um, and the backbone of their being kind of like- The trio characters. Right, right. And the podcast vibe of the whole thing. But in each episode, they play with something different and they use the like New York stories at the start of the episode where it's a voiceover monologue from somebody who's involved in the show to introduce- what that other piece is going to be. And then specifically, I want to talk a little bit about The Man in 6B, which is the seventh episode, which is which features the story of a character, um, Teddy Demas's son, who is deaf. And the boy, this, it's the boy. Sorry, the, the, boy. the boy in 6B. We learn a lot of things in that episode. We There is so much physical comedy. There are so many bits and pieces to that episode and it's all silent and it's told through this that silence isn't a gimmick it feels like it could be at the start but because we have the perspective of a deaf person centered we get this just magical episode that has all the slapstick that is true of like a rumors or a noises off um, the the slamming door slapstick, um, but we also get this really human kind of touching story about somebody who lives in a world that doesn't recognize the way he communicates, uh, and even and a like, character that we really didn't know before that episode. Too. Yeah, yeah, we had seen bits and pieces of him, and it does that in every single episode. It tunes the episode around its focus, central focus character. Um, I'm I was deeply impressed by selena gomez i was also really impressed by the guy who plays um crap i forgot his name the hoodie uh, the tie-dye hoodie guy oscar oh, guy, guy. oscar thank you yes he, i thought his performance was excellent and i'm and i'm really i also thought this was a limited series but there's going to be a season two there is I'm, going to be a season two i'm i'm jacked about that so i am uh, i am as well touching touching all, oh go ahead all in all, it was a really vibrant watch for me, and I'm I'm super glad I uh, I got to see it. And I will I say, well. if you did, did you actually mention that James Caverly, who plays Theo, is in fact a deaf actor? Yes, that's right. He is. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, I didn't mention that, but I'm very glad you brought that up. And I want to make sure that people know that if you have a deaf character, you should cast a deaf actor. If you have a trans character, you should cast a trans actor. If you have yeah. a black character, you should cast a black actor. <laughs> like I, and, and this should not be controversial. Um, it, this should it be should understood. Be. Uh, and want, you should, like, I want to show my kid Drop Dead Gorgeous, but then I realized that one of the characters in that is playing somebody with a developmental disability who is not developmentally disabled themselves. And it is a very mocking performance. Yeah. So. Well, Curtis, you you just binged it. Yes. You were unfamiliar with it before this week and then you watched the entire thing. I want your thoughts. Oh my God. Uh, well, you know, I was a little nervous going in because I still, 
like I feel like I kind of needed a little bit more distance from the whole Ted Lasso thing that I was hooked into. So it took me, it took me a couple episodes and it was the sight gag of a cat. We'll just put it there. Like when that <laughs> happened, I was like, I was snort laughing. Yeah. And, and to the point of almost, and then there's another sight gag and it's just, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm such a product of the eighties. Like it's just, you know, when I was in the eighties, that was junior high and high school for me, I'm an old fart. Uh, and so like, uh, as I was speaking earlier before recording, you know, Steve Martin and Martin Short and so many of the people involved with uh, SNL and SCTV um, were just total, yeah. I mean, they, like you were saying how you've modeled yourself after Steve Martin as a comedic actor. I mean, I've, I've, I've pulled from so many of those different, yeah, uh, <clears throat> just, just, you know, just, just masters at comedy. I mean, Steve Martin is, is a master at physical comedy, just yeah. hands down. And, and my favorite, my favorite Steve Martin is when he is afforded the ability to be more of the straight man in, mm -hmm. uh, in comedies, because I think he's really fucking good at it. Like he, mm -hmm. he is like the, my, he is probably between him and, uh, and, um, Bob Newhart are probably uh -huh. my two favorite comedic straight men because they can be so freaking funny just delivering us with the dead line. hand and and, I, and and Martin can do it with just 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 the right amount of just subtle sort of clowniness like he does he does subtle so loud it's like it's just so impressive to watch it and and he's yeah like as, as a writer he loves the sight gags he loves the physical comedy and being paired up with Martin Short, who I think is just like a comedic force of nature. <laughs> like he can just, he can, he, he can, he can, he can go from like zero to 11, like that. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then just pull it right back down. And he does that frequently in this show. And you want to say like, Oh, that's cheating. And that's too much and stuff. But no, I don't think it is. I think that's no. a master. Martin that's Short has a good job of reining him in at just the right moments. Yes. Martin Short is one of those actors for me that if <laughs> I feel like if he doesn't have the strong director or the strong voices in the room mm -hmm. that he's willing to listen to. And this is just a guess based on other actors that I actually know in life mm -hmm. and how people behave. But I assume he's like this. He'll just keep going. He has yeah. to have oh, yeah. those people who say, mm -hmm. that was funny. Let's oh, do it again, but let's end it there. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. you can't, mm -hmm. the ad lib is funny, but it doesn't work. Like, and, and trusting them enough that he would rein that character back in because there was one or two moments, maybe in the whole series where it was like, oh no. And it was early mm -hmm. too. So, you know, they're still figuring some stuff out with their own characters, but um, it got shut down almost immediately. So it didn't become Martin Short. Yeah. I think that <laughs> was actually of, of really impressive. Well. He can do yeah. that as well. And, and they both were reins in in just the right moment to keep me from going oh yeah it's steve martin and martin short yeah. yes it was an understated performance by both of them it was honest and silly at the same time 
Um, and Martin Short had these just brilliant moments of these throwaway reactions that uh, just made me cackle out loud. Uh, yeah. I thought- uh, I, I, I The thought dips, was... just the dips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's just, yeah. he's such an id. You know, he's got he such is, a strong he is. Yeah, he's just a walking kid. Just, yeah. I, I, I just want to circle back real quick and just promote, this is a three-hand. This is not the Martin Short, Steve Martin show. This is the this Martin is Short, with Steve Selena Martin, Gomez. Selena Gomez. She well, I was about to get to her, yeah. yeah. Holds yeah. up and, mm. and it is the third piece of the tripod. She mm. gives a great performance. Uh, her- and really grounds both Martin and Short. Absolutely. Yes. And and she she is so droll so dry mm. her comic we, delivery is brilliant go ahead millie we get there in in episode one mm-hmm. she shows up in this amazing yellow jacket mm-hmm. and you're already like oh all right hey girl this and they all end up in this diner and this is what brings these three people who live in the same building and see each other but don't know each other or whatever or try to avoid each other depending on the relationship that you're looking at. And they end up all talking because they listen to the same true crime podcast. And it creates this absolutely believable moment where people can bond completely over a shared interest Mm -hmm. and it catapults them because in this moment, this murder has happened. And we don't know anything about Tim Kono yet. We don't know what his relationship may or may not be to the other people in this building, but we absolutely believe that somehow these three people in this moment can move forward the way they do. And I will say the other reason that this show spoke to me so quickly, because I'm usually a three burn type. I need three episodes to make a decision on how I feel. The reason episode one got me so much, I think, was because when I watched it, we were just starting this Dorks on Sports podcast. Uh-huh. Mm. And the fact that these three are, you know, they're all into a podcast and it's the same one. And then they decide to record a podcast as part of this. And that bonding that happened for this group in us trying to bring this together felt, I felt that realness in watching the show. Yeah. So it immediately made, endeared me to the idea that these people could come together and want to do this thing together who in any other circumstance would have just continued to ignore or avoid each other in this building. Agreed. And I think that shared interest to bonding over that shared interest is one of the things that I really love about sports. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think back on those Seahawks Super Bowl runs and just like, how excited the city got and you're standing in line at Starbucks waiting for your coffee and you're wearing your Marshawn Lynch jersey and strangers are coming up to you and you're just talking and having a blast. When I was in Vegas uh, wearing a Kraken jersey and walking through the casino, I got the same thing, uh, not just from Seattle fans, but the Vegas fans and other NHL NHL fans as well. Um, And uh, I just, uh, you know, it's really nice being able to just sort of bond with another person over a shared interest when you might not have anything else in common. Only Murders in the Building also has some truly delightful cameos. Yes, it really does. Which I don't want to spoil. To the story. Yeah. And make those characters make sense showing up. Uh, Yes, residents of the building, uh, podcast hosts. Other podcasters. Late night TV shows. Fans. I mean, it's 
it's just a delight. It is, it is a delight. And I I'm recommend it to it. anybody who's listening. Go watch Only Murders in the Building. It's on Hulu. It's a delight. Uh, and it's getting a second season. So that'll be fun. Anyway, my name is Daniel. Uh, by the way, uh, hit the subscribe button. You should go to Curtis's blog, 12th Life, uh, if you want a Seahawks breakdown. I really recommend it. Curtis knows what he's talking about, and he has some very thoughtful things to say. Uh, we're here every Wednesday. Uh, uh, yeah, my name is Daniel. For Alana, Curtis, Millie, and the rest of the 12s, say good night and go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. <laughs>